How are y'all doing? My name is Alan. I pastor a church here in Granbury called Generations Church. Uh, We helped the church get going, not knowing 23 years ago that I would be the pastor. And um, it's been an exciting journey. I love Texas and I love this town. How many are from Texas? How many got here as fast as you could? (laughs) That was me. Uh, I was not raised in Texas. I was raised in Africa. My wife is from Zimbabwe. And I lived four years of my childhood in West Africa in a country called Liberia. And a highlight of my stay there was the first year we lived in the jungle in Fossima, Liberia. You can check it out. It's still there today, to this day. And my parents' responsibility, I was only nine years old, was to oversee a Christian school that was like a boarding school. Um, kind of like this. But they were there by choice, and their parents would send them there. So they weren't necessarily from Fosima. They were from other communities. Their parents sent them there to go to school. A highlight of my stay there was Saturday mornings when the chores were finished. The young men, teenagers, would take me with them into the jungle. And we would be on the lookout for leopard, leopard uh, prints. You don't want to mess with leopards. Keep out of our eye for snakes. You don't want to mess with snakes. Because they had snakes there that will kill you like that. We kept out our eye for sawgrass. Sawgrass really wasn't grass. It was like a vine that would hang down from trees. And if you rubbed against it the wrong way, it would cut you like a knife. So I would always come home with some scratches on me from sawgrass. And if I got thirsty because I was a puny, because I was a puny white boy and drinking the water there could make me sick... They knew just the vine to cut down. They would cut the vine as high up as they could reach. They would cut it, and then they would cut it low and hold it up, and the purest water you can imagine would flow out of that vine. And we would cut several of those and tie them like bows, you know, get a strip of rope or string or something and tie that vine like a bow. And that would be our canteen and carry it around string side up. And when we get thirsty, we would just lift it up and drink out of it. It was a trip. Uh, one of our favorite things to do was to go fishing down in the stream uh, with bread. You can fish with hard crust of bread. Anybody here has ever gone fishing? If you've never gone, you've got to try it. It's a cool thing. How you can just put some food on a hook, drop it in the water, and fish are hungry, and they'll come try it. And This hard... Uh, I called it French bread. I don't know what kind of bread it was, but the crust on it was very hard. And so it could get soggy and stick to the hook for a long time. And we would catch some catfish and then take it back to the mission base and cook it. And that would be part of dinner for that night. The day I'll never forget was the day we were fishing and some old men came out of the jungle and jabbered to us. To me, it was jabber because I did not understand their language. Something they seemed quite angry And the young men I was with, they were like my babysitters, as it were, spoke with them. And then they spoke to me and they said, we have to move. Why? said, because they believe their ancestors live in these waters. They believe their grandfathers and their ancestors from the past have come back from the dead and been reincarnated as catfish. I said, well, we fish in this stream all the time. Yes, but we never fished here. This is where they believe their ancestors live. 
So we went downstream about 50 yards. And the old man said, yes, it's fine to fish there. We laughed because we knew the same fish we were catching there were swimming up there because fish swim everywhere. But we were very respectful to the old men, even though we didn't believe what they believed. And I learned a lesson that day because I was nine years old and I like to argue with people. Anybody here likes to argue? Anybody here likes to argue if you know you're right? And my parents would tell me, even at that young age, they'd say, Alan, you'd argue with the sign you painted. I love to argue when I knew I was right. Especially if I knew I was right and my parents were wrong. Boy, I, I could just stand up and tell it like it was, and they'd teach me a lesson of respect. That day, I knew we didn't come back from the dead as catfish. And I knew the catfish they didn't want us to catch, we would catch downstream. And yet... My peers, the men babysitting me, the young men, the teenagers, paid respect to these old men. Even though we disagreed with them, we paid them respect. And I learned something. You don't have to be right about everything. And you don't have to prove you're right about everything. And you don't have to argue about everything. But there's a place in life to pay respect to people and give them the right to be wrong. Because God knows none of us are right about everything. Who, who in here thinks you're right about absolutely everything? <laughs> I tricked you. You know, you know there's some things we still have to learn. And so I learned something that day from watching those young men pay those old men respect and still enjoying the joys of fishing just further downstream. Unfortunately, that part of their culture in Liberia did not affect everyone. A few years later, after we had left, the country plunged into civil war, and then a few years after that, into another civil war, where gangs ruled the land. And before the war was over, over 300,000 people were killed for nothing, for stupid stuff. Peace making troops would come in from other countries and rob the people and destroyed their railroad. It was just, the country is still in existence today, Liberia, but it's nothing like it was. It's broken because of vengeance, because of disrespect, because of taking revenge on people that are wrong. Jesus said, blessed are the peacemakers. For they shall be called the children of God. The book of Hebrews in chapter 12 verse 14 says, Follow peace with all men. Can we say all men? Amen. And holiness without which no man, can we say no man, Amen. will see God. What that verse is saying, unless we follow peace with all men, no man will see God. Now, does that mean we have to agree with everyone? No. By all means, don't agree with somebody that believes the earth is fat, is flat, or agree with someone that believes, you know, taking poison into your body is going to be fun and it's not going to cost you on down the road. Don't agree with that. But give people a right to be wrong. And if their hearts are open to you, there's another verse that says, as much as depends upon you, live in peace with all people. I know we all have a sense of right and wrong. 
And I know we can all argue about our individual cases as to why we're here and who's right and who's wrong. And yet, it is what it is. But it's not worse than it is. It could be worse. So if we're, to, if we're to walk in peace with all men, we're going to have to put our trust in God to take care of the injustices in our life that we can't take care of. If we insist on exercising vengeance every time deserves, every time somebody deserves a butt kicking, what is that going to do? It's going to cause war. And if it doesn't stop, we would destroy each other as the human race. Who knows that's true? It takes somebody to be man enough or woman enough to say, I'm going to be a peacemaker. This is what God did in sending his son for us all to die on the cross. The cross is like a bridge connecting heaven and earth. Jesus is like a bridge. He was God and man. And so heaven and earth connected in him. So that separation between us and God that sin creates was bridged in him. And that cross was not only vertical, connecting us with God, but it was also horizontal, connecting us with each other. If you do not believe that this separation is not real, that it's just something they talk about in church, read the newspaper. Watch the news. Folks are robbing one another. Folks are killing one another. Folks are divorcing one another. Folks are betraying one another. The result of sin is separation. It's war. It's anxiety. It's vengefulness. It's revenge. It's fighting. It's unhappiness. It's depressing. Yet God sent His Son to come and pay for the price of everyone's sin. Your greatest enemy who deserves to be whooped, if he put his faith in Jesus, his sins will be forgiven. Why? Jesus took his whooping for him. Jesus paid for his sins. Maybe you're here and you know that you're guilty and you deserve worse than the sentence you've received. Put your faith in Jesus. He has taken your sentence for you. There's a man named Chuck Colson who died a couple years ago who started a ministry called Prison Fellowship. And his ministry existed to help make prisons around the world more humane. And he heard about this prison in South America where they had uh, convicted killers uh, serving as trustees, where they hadn't had any problems or riots for years where their um, solitary confinement cells have been empty for years. Peace just reigned because people had put their faith in Jesus. So he went there to observe this prison. And while he was there taking the tour and noticing that they were being treated fairly and rightly, the convicted killer that was showing him around said, is there anything else you'd like to see? He said, yes, I would like to see your solitary confinement cells. He said, sure, I'll take you in one of them. So they opened this building that hadn't been opened in a long time, walked in this cell that had been closed for a long time, and he walked into this solitary confinement cell, and there on the wall was a Catholic statue 
of Jesus on the cross. And the trustee behind him said, while he's looking at Jesus on the cross, said, he is in here all the time, doing time for the rest of us. And it hit Chuck Colson in his heart that although Jesus is no longer on the cross, he's not there, he's reigning in heaven. But when he hung on the cross, he did it once and for all, for everyone, for every time, for every sin, for every sinner, for every person. And faith in that so transformed the prisoners at that prison in South America that the solitary confinement cell had been empty for years. For all time, he did time for the rest of us. What do you deserve or what does your enemy deserve? We all deserve to be punished for our sins. But Jesus paid it all so that we can be forgiven. And so that your season here doesn't have to be a time of punishment. It can just be a time of learning. This can be like a a, a hardcore boarding school. How can that be? Because Jesus paid it all.